What's going on, guys? Welcome back to episode nine of Cousin Cast. Actually, not a cousin cast today. Jackson Finch, uh, my co-host and cousin, you know, had his wisdom teeth removed uh, this week. So thoughts and prayers are with him. He's doing good. We've been talking throughout the week, but got fillions. I got my old high school teammates, some of my best buds. I got Corey Willis and David Greer. And we're going to talk a little bit of NBA before we usher in our really big football content when it starts back with high school and college next week. Corey, how are you doing, man? I'm good. I'm good. David, how about yourself? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. Oh, absolutely. Dude, guys, I am so pumped to get in this episode. You know, like I said, we're going to be talking about, we'll dive into it in a few minutes. We're going to be talking about how, you know, after the events of the 2018-2019 season and now free agency, the NBA is looking like it's going to be its most competitive since probably, you know, around 2014-2015. Really excited to jump into that, Uh, you know, Corey and David both felt like they really wanted to talk on this, and I was like, dude, let's do it. Let's, you know, I want to get something y'all are interested in with y'all being guest hosts, but, you know, jump into some big NBA news we heard about in the past few years. DeMarcus, uh, in the past few days, sorry about that, DeMarcus Cousins uh, re-tearing his ACL in a scrimmage in Las Vegas after uh, having the Achilles injury and coming back from the quad injury as well. I mean, you you hate to hear that. I mean, I know you guys, we talked about it. It really feels like, David, I remember you and me talking about it in our group chat about how it really feels like what was three years ago, no doubt, the best center in the NBA. We've had his prime basically robbed from us. Yeah, absolutely. Like like you said, three years ago, he was one of the like most talented, at least, at the very least, like the most, one of the most offensively talented centers we have ever seen, like inside, outside, the handle, the passing, <clears throat> and... Uh, and now, like, sadly, uh, looks like a, his career is definitely taking a different turn than that path that it was on. Yeah, I, I mean, you know, it just it's not to say that he won't come back and, you know, even after all these injuries still, because he's still got enough strength, enough, uh, you know, prowess inside to put up some decent numbers, especially in the points and rebounds department. But he, especially defensively, he already wasn't the best on that end. But now you really got to figure, you know, uh, Corey, and I remember you talking about this uh, about him being now a, a almost definite negative on defense with the loss of speed and quickness. Oh, no doubt. I mean, he was already pretty heavy footed, and you know, you always heard the the jokes with him being fat and everything. And now you got uh, him tearing his Achilles. That's not going to help his movement or his ability to move. And now he tears his you know he tears his quad, and then now his ACL. I mean, that's going to be tough on him defensively. Uh, you, you know, TMZ Sports. Uh, I think it was yesterday. Did y'all see the leaked footage from his scrimmage where he tore it? Mm-hmm. Uh, man, I mean, he, uh, you, you really need to go back and watch that because what you were talking about him being heavy footed, a little bit overweight, he had noticeably in that video, even though it was just a few seconds, you could tell he had slimmed down. It looked like he had actually gotten quicker. I mean, it was off a hesitation move, got inside on a, you know, again, showing that dribbling that you talked about, David. And then, uh, you know, nothing, no contact. I mean, it was just a, rough he went up for a layup and his plant foot you know just kind of went out from under him and you know you hate to see it uh prayers to him obviously uh it's just you hate to see that kind of potential you know it reminds you of the greg odins it reminds you uh you know of you know a different circumstance but the sam bowies guys that had so much potential but uh due to you know tragic tragic circumstances whether it's death uh, whether it's, you know, injuries that just plague them. Brandon Roy is another one that comes to mind. Guys that really had an opportunity to be a superstar in this league that, you know, they became nothing more of either scrubs at the worst or role players at the best. Well, what I was actually – I was talking to David the other day. 
it's almost it's no doubt going to be one of the biggest what if stories because you look at 2017 2018 he was an all-star he was averaging 25 uh 13 and 5 on 53 percent uh two-point percentage i mean that's he he was uh, he was unstoppable that year and that was with him and anthony davis i mean at first, we were we were thinking that him and Anthony Davis, that duo, was going to be unstoppable, and that was it was showing to be unstoppable. And it's just it really sucks because now it's just robbed from us. Him, like he was like DG was talking about, it's just offensively he was he was it was unprecedented for sure. I mean, but moving on from that now, getting into our topic of the episode, you know, and it's kind of a little bit of a segue. You know, you hate to see. You wonder if he doesn't get hurt uh, and, and hurt his Achilles and need in a situation like Golden State this year where he can rehab and still go after a championship and get a little bit of money while he's doing it. You wonder if it kind of changes the tide a little bit from what we're seeing today. Uh, it, you, you wonder if he stays with that duo of Anthony Davis and himself, which in turn allows Davis not to leave the Pelicans, and you have that duo possibly wrecking the NBA. Because, I mean, we all knew that Golden State's biggest deficiency, bleh, their biggest weakness, because I'm not going to be able to get deficiency out, and then I do it right there, uh, was their rebounding, was their interior defense. And, you know, those are two guys that obviously can hurt you on the inside. Uh, you know, it, you really would have loved to see that prime duo go up against the prime Warriors we saw back when they won 73 games. Well, I know. I mean, you look at the 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 fact that the Warriors were so talented was because they could play small ball, and and the only reason they could play small ball was because Draymond could could guard the centers that weren't very strong finishers or uh, strong post presences. And then you look, and whenever that that trade went down with uh, the Kings and the Pelicans to get uh, you know Boogie there, it's just we immediately thought if they get the eight seed. And the Warriors are the one seed. That's going to be that's going to be an unbelievable matchup in that first round for sure. Okay, for again before we jump into our topic, I want to pose this question to y'all. Uh, you know, I want both of y'all. I'll start with you, David. Uh, thinking about somebody that could have been a prime Demarcus Cousins clone that we're seeing now, almost of the potential. I mean, obviously he's much better on the defensive end, but in terms of offensive prowess. I mean, I, the the name that comes to mind that matches prime DeMarcus Cousins before he was injured and when he was playing with the Pelicans is Joel Embiid. I mean, how well would you say they match up in terms of offensive, you know, compared to what could have been with DeMarcus and what is of Joel when he's healthy? Yeah, um, with DeMarcus, I feel uh, he definitely showed more uh, acumen, like operating farther away from the rim with his handle and attacking. He was basically like, a six eleven, like two eighty pound, like shooting guard, basically how he operated. Like he like he could like pick and pop, and then like make a read. Like if the defender's like too far off, he has the shot. If they're up, he has a little crossover. He can get to the rim, draw a foul. And like I agree, the very they're very similar players with the way that they uh they're like dominant with like drawing fouls. And that was one thing that Demarcus was like really uh really uh, awesome with. And Joel Embiid, that's like his calling card now too. Like some people are argue it's like to a fault as well with the fact that he's like only looking to draw the foul but yeah I agree with what you said uh they are fairly similar with their play styles well see that's what I was gonna I was gonna add the fact that Joel Embiid they say he's seven foot he's seven two no doubt and and like DG's just said uh Boogie's about six ten six eleven but like Boogie used his weight he, he he really showed his inside presence and um and I just looked up like 
Boogie is a career three, uh, 33% three-point shooter compared to Joel Embiid shooting uh, 30, 31%. And so he's a, he's a little better of a shooter, but he's always had that touch for sure from outside when Joel Embiid has more been streaky. But, but the fact that Joel Embiid, he has the ability, but I feel like he, he defers a lot. And, uh, I mean, he's, like I said, three, four inches taller than him. And, uh, and he just kind of settles. But no doubt the skill and the ability is there for sure. Well, Corey, you know, I remember you, you're, I would say you were one of, uh, you still are one of Joel's biggest critics in terms of his shooting ability. I mean, you feel like a lot of people overrate how, uh, you know, consistent of a shooter he is on the outside. Well, I mean, it's, it's tough because there's one game he can go four for four and then another game he can go for six. It just depends. One, his mindset, two, um, you know, if he's on or off. But his mindset, for sure, he, he needs to – it needs to be a post-up center that's going up. You know, he's seven-two going up against a bunch of seven-footers that he's got better touch than you know most centers today. He's, he's got you know the the strength for sure. He needs to work you know inside and then go out. But uh, a lot of the time he just kind of defers and and sticks with uh, fadeaways and just pick and pops for sure. Well, now after posing that, we'll move into our topic. It just seems like. I said, you know, after Kawhi, obviously, you know, a lot of people, you know, say put the Raptors on his back a little bit. I mean, he he surely did, you know, especially with, uh, you know, making sure when he knew when to turn it on in the games. You could obviously tell when he was turning it on and when he was coasting a little bit through the games. But, you know, obviously just a Raptors team that was very well built to take on the Warriors. The injury, unfortunate injuries that happened to the Warriors that saw Clay get hurt, which saw uh, KD get hurt, obviously. And and the ironic thing is, it was I, I think it was the first finals. Correct me if I'm wrong, but it was the first finals that you know Steph, Clay, and KD were all playing in together, where Steph was actually 100. percent I wouldn't say it was 100%, but it, it... As close as he's ever been. Yeah, for sure. But as close as he's ever been because you look at, you know, he, he uh, hurt his elbow one year, he hurt his ankles, you know. He's had a lot of injuries. And, you know, the worst thing he had was that uh, dislocated finger, which isn't, it, it, you know, it's anything to joke about. But no doubt compared to Clay, <laughs> Clay and KD, he was for sure better than they were. Yeah, I mean, but now you look at the competitiveness... And just the the change of the landscape of the NBA. I mean, looking right here at 2014-2015 playoffs, LeBron's first year back with Cleveland, you know, because that's when the uh, Cleveland and Warriors went at it for three straight years or four straight years. You look at it and just how much it's changed. The Hawks being the number one seed, obviously that was the year with Budenholzer, uh, that Millsaps, Horford, Teague, and Corver all put it together and they made a run at it. Uh, Cavs at two. Um, and then you had the Bulls at three with Jimmy Butler and uh, Rose, you know, on the twilight of his Bulls days. And then in the West, I mean, that was the first year the Warriors secured the one seed. And then you had the Clippers at the two. Uh, and then you had at the three, uh, I think you had the Rockets that year. It's just uh, – it's and the Rockets and the Warriors have stayed, obviously, um, as perennial contenders. But just those top threes, especially in the East and – a little bit in the West, how they've changed the top of the landscape. I mean, you look at the Jazz, for instance. You know, Jazz have been fighting for – they were top four seed two years ago. Then last year they were fighting for one of those seeds. They were 38-44 and 44 this year. It, it, you know, that's just one one of the best examples, I would say, because they, you know, just in a few years 
even when it looked like, oh, you know, they lost Gordon Hayward, now they're going to regress even more. They went from being mediocre in the West to now, I mean, especially this year after the move of getting Conley and signing uh, Bohan Bogdanovich, you know, now a lot of people are saying they're the sleeper in the West. Yeah, I agree. Uh, it's definitely a different roster construction this year with, like, uh, in the past few years, like, they were, like, completely dominant defensively with Gobert inside uh, <clears throat> and, and the switchable wings on the outside and also Derek Favors on the inside to help. But uh, this year, it's going to be, like, completely different, at least offensively. They, they're looking to be much better offensively with the spacing, um, Conley coming in to offer some shooting and uh, takes uh, some of the pressure off of uh, Mitchell. And also uh, Bogdanovich, like you said, he he, had, he was coming off a uh, – a great uh, playoff appearance when he was like relied on extremely heavily by a, uh, an injured Pacers team. You know, you look at it, uh, I'll ask both of y'all this again, Corey. This time I'll start with you. How much of an upgrade for this Jazz team do you think Conley is over Rubio? Oh, it's scary. I'll just say that. I'm, I mean, growing up in Memphis, I, I've always liked Conley, and you for sure have because you're a Memphis fan. Mike Conley has always been, you know, very underrated. Just defensively, he's always been there. Offensively, he's really efficient. And he's just really unselfish, and he's such a team player. And and he's got a lot of playoff experience and just, you know, a lot of experience to uh, to kind of lead Donovan Mitchell into to whatever he can become. And with that shooting, but also, I mean, Donovan Mitchell, he, he did amazing his rookie year, and, and he kind of saw um, that sophomore slump a little bit. It's just the fact that he was trying to create so much, and so you give, like DG just said, you give him a little bit of a of a little uh, leverage uh, in, in working off ball more, and, it, and it's just going to be awesome. I mean, I like I like the Jazz for sure. They like DG was talking about. I mean, last year they had the switchable wings, and then you just had Wayne Bogdanovich, who's basically Joe Ingles, you know, but a little better offensively. It's just it's going to be scary. I like that team for sure. You know, obviously, y'all talked together and came up with this topic, so y'all had some ideas. When the topic was explained to me, the number one thing that jumped out of me about the changing landscape uh, from a couple years ago to now, not just necessarily the rosters, LeBron being in the East rather than the West, you know, going back this far, KD joining the Warriors – to me, it's from how, even in 2014-15, you look at the rosters, you look at the teams, where we were seeing the end of teams really gearing up to go at it, and people were, you know, especially mediocre teams saying, all right, let's wait back a couple years, play our cards right, build for when these dynasties are over. And now, this year, you know, the Warriors are hurt, Kawhi leaves the Raptors, goes to the Clippers. Now, even with, you know, L.A. and the Clippers, both the Clippers and the Lakers, having dominant duos, seems like almost every team that even thought they had a shot at the playoffs is gear, trying to gear up and say, all right, let's make a run at this. It's open. And, you know, I figure that's probably what y'all saw too. Oh, no doubt. I mean, what I thought about this whenever I thought about this topic was this season was basically relying on one player. Maybe maybe two, it just depends because, you know, one got hurt. But um, say KD didn't get hurt. Is on two because if he stays with the Warriors, then it's still just the Warriors and whoever's in the West, and may, or I mean, whoever makes it out of the East. But without Kawhi choosing to go the more you know moral way, I could I guess to say 
and not choose LeBron and Anthony Davis. I mean, that changes the whole whole entire league for sure in the competitiveness. Yeah, I agree. Um, <clears throat> in the West this year with uh, Kawhi, like uh, he telling the Clippers that if they get Paul George and he, uh, that he'll go there, which they did, and now that just like added another team. And so it's now like a super loaded uh, West and along with like uh, a retooled East. And it's just like, like Peyton said, there's just a lot of like dynamic duos. And I think that this could be the end of uh, the quote unquote super teams where you need like three stars, maybe even four, depending on the talent level. And, and also I was thinking about this because you look at how the Clippers were. They were a solid team. They had a lot of players that just knew their roles. But, I mean, you look at them. They had, they had the offense for sure, but they were a bad defensive team. Then they just had, you know, a defensive player of the year and, uh, you know, one that was actually possibly should have gotten it. So, I mean, they're, they're scary. And they, they have a bunch of role players. So, I, I'm for sure. It's going to be a lot of player, a lot of teams that just have a lot of a lot of guys to do the scoring, do the big stuff, and then a lot of role players that just complement them for sure, and it's going to be fun. Well, you know, topic being changing landscape in the last few years, biggest one uh, I think you can look at, you know, they're an outlier in 14 because that was the year, uh, I believe, KD was hurt for extended period of time. It's foot injury the year before his MVP, year after his MVP season. Uh, you know, they went 45-37, still over five hundred uh, by eight games. It missed the playoffs as a nine seed. But then after that, you're seeing the Thunder at the three seed, then the two seed. You know, and or the four seed, or the six seed, that's a team now that I mean, you look at and they're still competitive now that they have Chris Paul. You know, for, at least for until Chris Paul probably gets inevitably traded, they're going to be decently competitive. But that's a team that's gearing up for a rebuild. That and you know, three four years ago, in the West, if it wasn't the Spurs, most people thought it was the Thunder. And you know, moving into the changing landscape. You know, just also wanting to hit, because I haven't got to do an NBA episode with y'all. You still want to run through and hit some of the points of the offseason. If you had to pick right now, and of course, you know, I I know I, I'm putting you on the spot, especially for a question like this. In the long run, who do you think is going to feel the better payoff from, you know, the big Paul George Thunder trade? Obviously, you know, it's easy to say the Thunder you know, because they're getting five first-round picks, and then they flip Westbrook for another one. So that trade kind of got them six first-round picks if you look at it that way. And uh, Shea Gilgis Alexander. But you look at the Clippers. Say they win two championships, then you know. I mean, who, who do you think comes out in the better overall? Um, personally, it, it's hard for uh, whenever superstars are traded. It's hard for the team to uh, that trades the superstar away. To like to come up in the end like winning that trade, which the the Thunder they definitely have a chance because like you said they got an absolute haul with the with the enormous amount of picks the great uh, young player Shea Gilgeous Alexander quality uh, a quality uh, just like good score awesome shooter in uh, Danilo Gallinari and uh, and now. Uh, uh, Chris Paul, uh, he he wasn't a part of that trade, but he's on that team too. He, there, I think there could be a chain reaction yeah, from chain that reaction, trade. Exactly, like it, that's like a kind of like a part of it. I think that they could be a a, a definite sleeper. And uh, but if you said that they win two championships, meaning the Clippers, if the Clippers win two championships, I personally feel like uh, like they win that trade easily because like these picks, they're definitely not guaranteed, especially with like how young they are. You don't. And like, they traded for a seventh grader. 
not yeah, joking. Basically, it's like it's like junior high kids, and you don't know like like we see like comparing like uh, this upcoming season to like uh, the 2014-15 season. This league can change really quick and in a drastic way. Like you don't know like how good those picks are actually going to be and how good those prospects will be in the future. Oh yeah, I mean you just look at the difference in Corey. I saw you were about to jump in. I'll let you in just a second. I mean, look at just you said you, those aren't guaranteed. Look at the difference in draft classes. Go back and look at the 2018 draft class. You know, people considered, oh, it's loaded. You know, top to bottom from 1 to 14, you're getting a true lottery talent. To this year, you have Zion, you have Ja, and then who the heck, you know, who the heck are we picking at 3? So you don't know what, who those, what the classes are going to be like you said with those picks. So you don't know how those are going to turn out. I mean, it's imp- yeah, I mean, with that star caliber player and, and Kawhi being finals MVP Defensive Player of the Year um, in, in the past, and then and then MVP candidate and Defensive Player candidate Paul George. I mean, that's impossible to really uh, try to try to make anything off of that trade for sure. Because with these kids, I mean, they can be top one hundred, they can be top ten in seventh grade. But I mean, kids, you know how they are. They they just they might get um, complacent with themselves or content. Injuries might happen. It's it's impossible to tell. Look at that. Malik Newman. I mean, that's a number one case of it mm-hmm. that we've seen from our own eyes being, you know, residents of Mississippi. I mean, we saw a kid from Callaway that was supposed to, you know, tear up the league. You know, oh, oh if this guy could have went straight out of high school, he'd be top five pick straight out of high school. And now, I mean, he didn't even get past the training camp contract. You know, uh, it's just, you know, it's crazy how, you know, and that, again, affects the landscape of the coming years because you just don't know how those picks are going to turn out. And, you know, kind of something I wanted, I've always kind of wanted to talk, and this is a really good opportunity, these trades, and the, especially the trade between the Thunder and the Rockets and Westbrook over the Rockets. Uh, you know, if you've listened to this podcast, you know I'm a big fan of the Bill Simmons podcast, and Corey and DG are huge fans of it as well. I've seen a lot of people bringing up, and I want both of your input on this, of – you know, the Thunder uh, trading away Westbrook, you know, being a case of the Ewing effect. I mean, you know, that it's an it's an interesting one for sure because of the talent they still return, especially before they trade Paul. I mean, I'm not saying that's actually going to turn out. If you don't know what the Ewing effect is, uh, I believe it was, uh, you know, I know, I know the, the case of it. It was Ewing missing the, uh, a playoff series, correct? Or was it the year after he left the Knicks? I'm not exactly sure, but it is uh, uh, either one of those, and the the team just ended up like performing better than than like when he was on the team. It, which is, and like, it wasn't unexpected. debatable. It, yeah, exactly. Yeah, and and that's the simple case of it. Not to be, I can't bring up the actual year off the top of my head, but the simple case of the Ewing effect is when a when a star leaves a team, that team in retrospect plays better because they don't have to cater towards his style of play. I mean, I. I do see where the Thunder could be a, a possible case of that really coming out because, I mean, they've still got really good pieces. I feel like this team actually meshes together really well, uh, you know, especially before they trade Paul and probably Steven Adams. I have to say, believe that trade's coming as well. I mean, it's uh, it, it, you got to look at the rosters for sure that that they, they built around Westbrook. And, and, I mean, we all know that he's a slasher, he's a fast guard, but... Well, they tried to build around, but they couldn't ever really get shooters. Yeah, he's him. never had the the ideal spacing, and then now you look at it, they just have a lot of guys that might know their role, you know. And and, and we looked at like how the Clippers performed the past two years. I mean, 
They lost Blake Griffin in that trade to the Pistons. They lost, you know, CP3 to the Rockets. I mean, you look at them. You can have the big stars. It's just how much does it, uh, how much does it correlate to winning? And that's the that's a true uh, testament to. I mean, it, it's tough to say too because like a star player. I mean, Patrick Ewing, he was an is a Hall of Famer, but I mean, whenever you don't one, you don't have the right roster around you. It, it really hurts your legacy for sure. And we might see that with Russ, but. Uh, depending on how the Thunder do. You, you, moving into another team before, you know, because we've kind of been factoring it and been in the West mainly. We'll move on to the East side and the landscape changes over there. But when, you know, looking at 14-15, they were 30-52. and 52, And then looking in, you know, 15-16, you look at them, they were 33-49. And then you look in 17-18, and 18, and they're sitting at 40-42. and 42, You know, and, and now looking like a definite contender for the West. And I would I would argue that, you know, with how much he, he talks about this team and this player, this might be Corey's team he's rooting for right now, and that's the Denver Nuggets. You know, that's obviously a team that their landscape has completely changed. I mean, they were stuck in, you know, basically stuck in purgatory after Carmelo left, you know, of and then um, knowing, well, you know, are we a competing team? Or are we a team with Kenneth Fareed? And Ty Lawson. And Ty Lawson, you know, never, you know, putting up 35, 40-win seasons. You know, we're so close to that eight seed, but what does it matter if you get that eight seed? To now, I mean, you know, they take, you know, they go with the Trailblazers to seven games and nearly end up in the Western Conference Finals this year. Oh, yeah, no, I, I love the Nuggets. I mean, you look at you look at Jokic, they, they perfectly surrounded him with ideal offensive players. That's a perfect, that's a perfect case of what Presti, you know, wasn't able to do with Westbrook with the Thunder. They have perfectly surrounded Nikola Jokic. It also it also shows um, it shows how good Jokic is and how how well his style of play fits with people because you look at I mean other than defense, so let's just look at offense alone. There's not really any uh, flaws in his game, and so that really helps his team have a lot of you know like leeway with who they're going to bring in as long as you know. He gets the ball. He can play make at the top. He can, you know, touch it in the paint sometimes, you know, post up and everything. But he's a really unselfish player that just – if you have him on your team, it almost makes it super easy to just fill around him. You know, and you look at who you got around him. You got uh, Paul Millsap. Uh, you've got uh, Jamal Murray, who, by the way, is the perfect point guard to put with him because he can handle some of the ball handling duties. But he's mainly a scorer, especially mainly a shooter. Oh, no so that's a perfect guy to put around him at the one position because it allows – Jokic to run the five from the high post a lot, or run the one from the high post, sorry. And then, you know, one of my, I would I would argue this guy's one of my top five favorite guys in the NBA. I love Gary Harris. I just love, I love his motor on defense. I love his two-way ability. He's a good case of a player that's just progressed every year he's been in the NBA. You know, he wasn't a superstar coming in. He was a role player, but now he's turned into one of the best values in the NBA. And then, uh, you know, uh, remind me who the fifth guy on that team is. Uh, you know, you got Murray. You well, you got, got well. It just depends, really. They, that's the that's the beauty of the Nuggets. They have Will Barton that can come in and ice and score. Or they got like they started Tory Craig. I know a few times. They they started Malik Beasley. Uh, Malik sure. Beasley was the name that was I was that was missing my head. And, and we forget about it, but they drafted Michael Porter Jr. So, I mean, oh God! Yeah, I mean, it's, it's unbelievable. What if he comes back this year and, and is the guy that he would have been, I think, in college if he wouldn't have hurt his back? I mean, imagine that team—you know, Murray at the one, Harris at the two, 
Porter at the three or Millsap at the three, you know, switch them up. One's at the three, one's at the four. Jokic at the five. That is a scary but really fun team. That's when, you know, with those guys, you know, obviously the team you want to watch anyway, but that makes them instantly a league pass team. You know, a guy, just a team that you want to tune into as many of their games as you can just because they're so fun, not just because they're competitive. Yeah, like, and we didn't even talk about, I love this acquisition for them. They got uh, Jeremy Grant from the Thunder. Like, he shot, I think he shot close to 40% from three this year, along with, like, really good defense, excellent, like, weak side shot shot blocking, and, like, him, like, at the four, like, that's, like, I really love him, like, playing along with Jokic. I love that fit. Like, great, like, rim runner, cutter, really, su- like, super athlete, along with Jokic at the five. Like, that's just, like, an awesome pairing to go along with that. Like, and, like, saying all this, this is, like, one of the deepest teams in, like, the entire league. I think they have a, like, one of the best shots, if not the best shot, again, like, the one seed, just based on, like, the continuity that they have, like, the, the familiarity between, like, that team and their coach. Oh, yeah, because they bring almost everybody back. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, you know, you know uh, Kawhi's going to do load management again because that's obviously what worked for him this season. You're probably going to see LeBron do some coming off the groin injury, and even he just does it anyway. This team, you know, they're deep enough to where, if the, you know, Jokic sits out or Murray sits out. They have somebody, all right, let's plug them in and let's, you know, make a run at the game tonight. And, you know, I love the Grant signing too. You know, I love that acquisition for them. Because, you know, Grant was one of those guys that got lost in the fold with the Thunder because, you know, until leading up to this year, he didn't shoot as well as a lot of people wanted him to. Still, you know, pretty good on defense, was good a good rim runner. But obviously that didn't work with Westbrook very well. You needed the shooting. He didn't shoot very well. But then this year he does it. But it gets lost because, you know, uh, Westbrook can't lead a team to win, you know. And people wanted to group them together. Besides Adams, look at the scrubs he's got. But no, everybody forgot that Jeremy Grant shot the ball so efficiently this year. Well, I mean, I know I didn't talk about uh, Jokic's defensive uh, liabilities for sure because, like we were talking about with uh, Boogie, I mean, Jokic isn't known for his athleticism for sure. And and getting Jeremy Grant, I mean, we look at Paul. Paul Millsap's a great defender, no doubt. Great team defender for sure. And that's why with Jokic last year, the Nuggets weren't a bad defensive team at all for sure. Um, but um, getting Jeremy Grant, that just helps – uh, uh, make up for Jokic's lack of uh, athleticism, and like you said, he shoots the ball for uh, for a four well. And and with Jokic, I mean, he played with Kenneth Fareed for for a few years, so he's got the 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 ability to shoot from outside. So even if he weren't able to, he would still be a great fit. But the fact that they can uh, play five out now, man, I'm. I'm ready for the season to watch them for sure. Oh, no doubt about it. And then, you know, looking at a team that's – they've kind of stayed consistent. You know, we've talked about all the changes in the landscape in the West. Let's look at a team that stayed consistent, and I would say that's the Portland Trailblazers. You know, ever since uh, Dame has came into his own, CJ's came into, a, you know, a player not many people thought he would be coming – Mercer, correct? Was that – That was Lehigh. Lehigh, yeah, Lehigh, sorry. Thinking wrong Duke upset in the tournament. Yeah. Uh, you know, these that's a team that's consistently been around the three or four spot. You hated seeing uh, uh, Yusuf Nurkic, Nurkic uh, you know, getting injured last year because uh, they obviously – I don't think they were going to beat the Warriors, even with KD being hurt. But I, I don't think they would have got swept if they had Nurkic. I, do, I really don't believe that. I mean, you were talking about how Curry um, was, was closest to 100% and he showed it that series for sure. Uh, I mean, 
the fact that he can do the high pick and roll from from that deep and and just expose their centers. I mean, even with even with uh, Nurkic, I mean, I don't know how good they would have done to be able to defend that. But I mean, they would it would have for sure uh, been a lot more interesting. Well, you know, and Cantor came in obviously, and he did a pretty decent job of uh, filling in that slot. He just, he does a lot of the same things right that. Nurkic does just not to the same ability you know very similar player you know they're both able to score well uh you know they both rebound the ball well but you know uh, Nurkic obviously a little bit better defender because Cantor is not a very good defender uh you know just able to do it just at a little bit higher level and when you get into the playoffs obviously that higher level counts even if it's just a sliver a sliver can be I mean look at Look at this year's Game 7 between, you know, the Raptors and the Sixers when Kalop four taps into the the basket to win. I mean, a sliver does count. I mean, that's the perfect example right there. Uh, uh, I mean, I, I don't know. I don't know about y'all, but I think the best the best thing that the Trailblazers did was get uh, Kent Bazemore. I mean, and they had Evan Turner, and he was such an offensive liability that now you got Kent Bazemore who – you bring the defense with him that Evan Turner had, and maybe even more. And this dude is just a oh, he just wants to compete, and and he hasn't been able to do that. And I really like them uh, getting Kent Bazemore. That's gonna be fun. Yeah, and you know, uh, this is interesting to me. When that trade happened, I saw a lot on Twitter. It showed how many bandwagon fans the Trailblazers have, honestly, because you know, and not talking about you, did you? Because I knew at one time you really liked the Trailblazers, but now you're a Hawks fan. You you know, yeah. you proclaim that now. Uh, you love the rebuild they're doing over there, but and I'm sure we'll talk about that because you know I want to make I, I think we're going to go into a part two of the East here because I'm really enjoying that what we're having here. Uh, but before we wrap up the West, I saw a lot on Twitter about people saying you know why would you tra- why would you trade Turner for Baysmore? You know you're losing the defense, you're picking up a little bit higher contract. Well, they're both expiring first of all, so that doesn't matter. And then two. You know, people are saying, oh, they're both playmakers. I mean, to an extent, yeah. I mean, Turner was obviously, he could, you know, he was a decent playmaker. But Bazemore adds that shooting that really, really helps. Because Turner, like you said, he was such a liability scoring the basketball when he was on the floor. No doubt about it. Yeah. Uh, they One thing, uh, even though they did, they had excellent chemistry, especially, like, leading up to the uh, Nurkic, unfortunately, uh, breaking his leg. Um, they... They struggled with like shooting on the wing, and that's one thing. Like on paper, they have a lot more shooting this year. That, like you said, with the Bazemore acquisition, Rodney Hood coming back off of a, a pretty good uh, playoffs, and they got uh, uh, Mario Azonia. I mean, he, he can uh, he can shoot. Uh, who knows? Uh, he he has a he has had a shaky career thus far. Like on he's dethroned he dethroned the king. What are you talking about? <laughs> yeah, you're right. You're right. Yeah, he yeah. On Giannis and too. he's got the confidence. I've heard. Oh yeah, he he's definitely confident. He's a uh, like the. I heard uh, that was a lot of what his down spiral was in Orlando. Was his confidence? He I heard that when he first got in, he didn't really want to work in the gym that much. You know, he thought, oh, you know, I'm I'm great coming over from the Euroleague. I you know I don't need that much work and. You know, he has really improved, and especially last year he showed improvement. He's still streaky like crazy, but showed improvement enough to be a viable option on an NBA roster like we never really saw in Orlando. Yeah, I agree. Like, I feel like he'll be fine. Like, he's got size. He's 6'8". Got to be, like, 215 by now after developing in the in the weight room. And he's, like, him being, like, a fourth, fifth option, I, I like that. And he's got, like, 
uh, really good athleticism too. Uh, that like people would call like sneaky athleticism. He's explosive. He, like like we said, like he's dunked on uh, Giannis and dethroned the king. And uh, but yeah, moving on from that, they also got uh, Hassan Whiteside, who, who I think is like uh, an excellent like stopgap. Now that uh, Nurkic is still like recovering, I feel like he'll be great. Like uh, <clears throat> especially in the defensive end, where you know uh, Dame and CJ are not the best backcourt, obviously defensively. You know, adding in Hassan, who you know has the ability. Like we saw at points in Miami to be a, you know a shot blocker and a lethal present inside on the defensive end. Yeah, like he he he's definitely a, he's not as good on the perimeter defensively as uh as one like Nurkic, but like you said, like you just uh like uh, I think that uh <clears throat> Stotts will op- optimize him by like dropping him in pick and rolls and letting him like like uh play like a, like a little bit like a one on two like defense like letting them fight over the top and like him just dropping back and protecting the rim like a lot of these uh, other like slower footed uh bigs but he's got like like an enormous standing reach long wingspan like he'll be like that's the way that you got to play him and i think that he'll be like great doing that we haven't even talked about zach collins like he uh now he's got like some confidence and he's like i feel like he's gonna be uh great uh like in this upcoming season like i think he's a uh, i mean potentially like uh depending on how much play time he gets i could see him getting like a uh, most improved player uh he's a uh, like a three and D big, uh, still a little bit too slight for my liking, but uh, I feel like he's got uh, the potential to have a great like upcoming season. The confidence thing's a big, you know, you could tell obviously, mm-hmm. uh, you know, very uh, passive at points when he didn't need to be, uh, you know, and I and y'all remember I was not I was a pretty big critic of Zach Collins coming out, I, you know, I don't know why I just never really was a big fan of him. I didn't think his game was going to translate. Uh, that great. I didn't know if he would shoot the ball at a high enough clip at the NBA three. Uh, but you know, he's obviously he's he's shown flashes, and like you said, he has a chance. Uh, you know that um, he's going to be optimized well in that system. Uh, he'll you know if he's willing to buy in and put you know make sure that he's shooting well. Uh, you know, have that high motor on the defensive end. He is a dark horse candidate for most improved. I would definitely say that because most improves that award. Well, you know, anybody can win it. You, you just got to break out and make yourself known. Yeah, exactly. Like, uh, and he's like around that age. It's a lot of like second year guys. Like, once they get a year in the league, they're like a year with the team. They def- he's not a second year guy, but he's young. He's around that age. He came out as a came out after his freshman year of college. Like, he's he's getting around that time where they you could see like a big jump in production from him. Well, you know, last team I want to jump in, then we'll close it out. You know, jump into my Grizzlies. Uh, you know, that's a team where you know there's not too much to talk about because again, like. Obviously, their landscape changed a little bit, but again, even though they were at the th- the four seed, even the three seed at point six seed, you know, contending in a sense, they were still kind of stuck in that purgatory like the Nuggets, except they were just in the playoffs every year. But you knew that roster wasn't ever going to be able to make a finals. There was just something missing, uh, and you know, now looking back, you know, it was the, it's shooting on the wing. That's what they missed: mm-hmm. consistent shooting on the wing. Uh, you know, and because Conley, uh, his consistent. High clip at, at, behind the behind the arc didn't really come until around t- 2017. So you know they missed their prime years with Randolph and Allen and that group. Uh, but you know now I would say they've stayed consistent just in a different way because now are they in the playoffs? No, but I do think, and I'm not just saying this because I'm a fan. I think right now you would say the Grizzlies possibly have a top three rebuilding situation in the NBA. They've got good assets. They've done a great job this offseason uh, making good trades, making good acquisitions, making good picks. 
you know, Brandon Clark, uh, just off the summer league, looks like he could be the steal of this draft, uh, you know, especially in year one. Uh, I just really, really like what the Grizzlies are doing. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm glad we got I, I'm glad we got rid of Bickerstaff. I was never a big fan of Bickerstaff. I think he did fine in year one with what he had, but I was just never a big fan of him because of his time in Houston. I think he really uh, didn't use that roster to its full potential, uh, you know. So I really think the Grizzlies are in a, heading in a good direction, just in a different way. Oh no, yeah, the Grizzlies. I mean, we we all talked about it because we're only like an hour away from there. I mean, I grew up there. It's going to be a fun team to watch, and in I would say basically my whole life, we've never had that star caliber player that brings in tickets. You know, like we had Mar- Marcus Saw, Mike Conley, but we never had like a LeBron. You know, we never had a James Harden, Curry, someone who is a must watch. It, it's almost been. If you live around there, you're not going to go see the the Grizzlies. You're going to go see who they're playing. But but with Jaron Jackson Jr., uh, he's going to be that guy. I think in the next few years, he 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 has the ability for sure to uh, just be offensively and defensively just amazing. And, and and he's going to be that ticket bringer for sure. I think a front court with Brandon Clark and Jaron Jackson Jr. already, even though they're in year one or year two and year one respectively, is going to be one of the scariest defensive front courts this year. No doubt about it. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Jaron Jackson, he his size. I, I heard that he he's put on uh from like sources from the Grizzlies, like close to the Grizzlies. He's put on around like twenty pounds of muscle. That's one thing that he's like the one thing that he like struggled with. Like if you could say that, like other than like uh he had like foul issues, which a lot of that could be coming from like the strength deficiencies. Mm-hmm. But and that's also just a yeah, rookie issue. Yeah, rookie issue. He was like one of the youngest, if not the youngest, mm-hmm. in that draft class, and him coming in now, like. He he and Brandon Clark, I really like their fit together. Like uh, uh, Jaron, he could fit with like anyone because he is. Uh, I I feel like he could be like eventually in his career like a uh, thirty eight, thirty nine percent three point shooter on like on really good volume, pick and pop, pick and roll five, uh, and then he like that'll like cover up for like Brandon Clark's potential uh, like shooting uh, liabilities. But like like we saw like in summer league, he showed a lot more. Uh, a lot more in that aspect than uh, than like some were necessarily expecting. I mean, we talked about Boogie earlier. I mean, Jaron Jackson Jr. with that pick and pop and, and the handle and everything that he's got that potential for sure. And, and, and we've talked about it. He he's got the he's got the gravity whenever he's on the floor and, and outside. That even if he doesn't shoot it, you have to you have to respect it enough that he he's got a good enough handle and he's quick enough that. Him on the outside is scary. It's really scary. Didn't even mention that, you know, Jaw's going to be facilitating to him. And, you know, it it showed in the first half of the season with Trey Young. Obviously, Trey Young was amazing in the second half of the season. Uh, But I'm not a big fan of, you know, I don't expect much out of uh, guys that, you know, are expected to be volume shooters or just guys that are expected like Ja or Trey Young was last year to come on and take a 20-point-per-game role. People, you know, expect, oh, they're going to come in and be this amazing scorer. I mean, Ja's going to have big, big struggles, I expect, this year. But I also think you're going to see a lot of flashes of why he, you know, quickly became the number two player in this class. I think you're going to see the shooting. You're going to see, you know, a lot of people uh, forget this because of how well he could shoot the ball that he, I mean, he was the he was the NCAA assist leader this year. I mean, just 
I really think you're going to see flashes. I'm really excited about the playmaking potential with him having Clark and Jackson Jr. to dish off to. Well, that's what I was going to talk about. I mean, he's kind of got to look at how Trey Young developed in that rookie year. Trey Young came came out of college as an amazing shooter, amazing scorer, and and he wanted to do that. He wanted to translate that into the NBA, and and then you saw he was – he was facilitating a lot more, a lot, a lot more often, and and I feel that Jaw, if if he comes in with that, I'm gonna help get guys open. I'm gonna help uh, Jaron Jackson and 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 Brandon Clark get better. Then the passing ability is just gonna keep him open. The the just the ability for him to get almost any pass off, left or right hand to some some you know center that's gonna be able to pick and pop, pick and roll. Is athletic. Can throw the lob to is it's going to be it's going to be a learning process for sure. But um, but he's gonna he needs to look at how Trey Young did in his uh, rookie season and kind of look at what he ended up being becoming in the in a point guard and, and kind of just start off strong like that. Yeah, exactly. I think uh, <clears throat> Ja he he's gonna have a like you said like with the talking about Jaren and Brandon like just like this young core. Like, them all being, like, that, like, around similar ages, like, that's, like, awesome. Like, you have, like, your point guard of the future who, he he's, like, a virtuoso in the pick and roll. He can do, like, the the famous, like, LeBron, James Harden, uh, like, cross-court skip pass with either hand. He's right-handed, but, like, he, he, he like, he seemed like he, he, like, preferred his left hand more often. Like, and, like, that just goes to show you, like, how, how skilled he is and, like, he's going to... He he's likely gonna have uh, some struggles. Like I feel like everyone like has seen like the dunk where he dunked over the guy. He, he dunked on the guy in the tournament game, and uh, <clears throat> but I feel like he he uh, like uh, Payton was talking about like like he could struggle. I feel like he'll struggle with the, like his two point efficiency, despite being like a good like uh, vertical athlete. He he's very slight still, um, and uh, <clears throat> in the game against Florida State. He, he shot like, uh, I think it was like 5 for 15 or like 3 for 15 from two-point range. He, he he shot really well from three whenever they were doing the under coverages. But he uh, he really struggled because like that was like his first game against like NBA size and length. Like even more so like with uh, Kumaji of Florida State being 7-4 with like an enormous standing reach. Just like can sit in there and along with like the different uh, NCAA rules like uh, compared to the NBA where... In the NBA, you can't stay in the paint for like three seconds, but in the in uh, in college, you can, and uh, that's just like he really struggled. I feel like that's one thing that you could see, along with like I think his struggles will be two point percentage and turnovers. But other than that, I feel like he has the potential to have an awesome rookie year with this young core. No doubt about it. Well, I almost feel like it's it's okay for him to have that turnover problem because it's a learning process, you know. Because you look at how Trey Young did, you want him to be able to make those passes. You want him to to think ahead and make those complicated uh, pro passes. And even if, you know, they're off target, you look at how Luka Doncic did this uh, past year. He made those passes, but not all of them were, you know, very accurate. Name so, name me a rookie point guard or a rookie ball handler that doesn't have turnover issues. Not yet. Name it's, me one. It's tough. Especially sure. being small, mm-hmm. like 6'3", like Ja. Like, it's uh, – you're, you're bound to have that that issue, which I think is good. It's a good sign because, like, they're – they're showing like confidence, and they're they're not like holding back or anything. I feel like that's a good sign for the future. Like, along with like, like just like turnover issues, just being like, <clears throat> excuse me, 
that's showing like the confidence and the willingness to pass and the potential comfortability with teammates. No doubt about it. Well, guys, with that, we're at 47 minutes. We're going to wrap this one up, but we'll be back with a part two on the Eastern Conference side of things. Guys, I really enjoyed this. I'm ready to jump into part two right after this. Um, if you're not, make sure you're tuned into our social media. Make sure you're tuned in to us on Facebook, Cousin Cast, uh, Instagram, uh, Cousin Cast, and Twitter at Cast Cousin. With that, I will see you guys later. For David Greer, for Corey Willis, I'm Peyton Taylor. Have a blessed day.